This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. It's Thursday, December the 2nd. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. We've got plenty coming up, but we're going to start with the very latest on the Omicron COVID variant. As scientists in South Africa have warned they believe cases will increase across the country exponentially. It's where the mutation first was detected and data shows higher rates of infection than before, though illness seems to be less severe in those who've had COVID previously. Well, our resident GP, Dr Julian Spinks, who's based in Stroud, has been speaking about it to our colleagues at KMTV. Most of the cases so far, um, particularly where we've learnt from uh, Southern Africa, is, are in younger people. And we know that um, COVID overall tends to be milder in younger people. Um, And so it's only really as things spread that we'll get an idea of whether we do have significant numbers of people with severe illness and worse people needing to be admitted to ITU. And obviously we're hearing at the moment about the booster jab programme that's going to be rolled out, hopefully all adults offered by January 2022. How is this going to work in theory? Because, I mean, we were only talking a few weeks ago about the fact that a lot of people who were running the vaccination programmes now have to catch up on work that that they were behind in. Is that a concern? Uh, It's a good question because, yes, it's going to be a major challenge. Uh, there's some extra funding coming to GP practices to actually be able to do it. But it's trying to do the day job and do the vaccination as well. We're also challenged by the fact that uh, with the Pfizer vaccine, there's a 15-minute waiting time, which limits how quickly you can get people through a vaccine centre. So they may have to look at that if we're going to get through you know, well over 30 million people in just over a couple of months. Now, obviously, we did this vaccination programme with the use of mass vaccination sites, a lot of which have now been closed down. Do you expect them to reopen up to try and cope with the demand? Because we've got the same amount of people we need to vaccinate again. Well, they're talking about an extra 1,500 sites, although a lot of those may be quite small. There's going to be an enhanced uh, use of pharmacies to give vaccinations as well. I think it's going to be pulling out all the stops to try and get those booster vaccines in, in the hope we get ahead of any Omicron uh, wave that we have. And we mustn't forget Delta is still really quite bad in the UK. As you heard there, there is a very big push at the moment to get a booster jab. You might have seen or heard adverts on TV and radio urging us to get them as part of the government's Booster Day campaign. The one-off event marks exactly a year since the UK became the first country in the world to approve the Pfizer jab. The health secretary's admitted offering a booster to all adults in England by the end of January, though, is a huge ask. Meantime, as we hear about more cases of Omicron, it appears that the hospitality industry is being hit by thousands of Christmas party cancellations. Big gatherings are still allowed under current guidelines, but we're being urged to take a lateral flow test before socialising, and one cabinet minister has advised against kissing strangers under the mistletoe. Well, Phil Thorley is from Thorley Taverns, which has venues across Thanet, and he's been chatting to Jamie. I think that the the mask-wearing rule that's been brought out certainly brings a a level of nervousness around. Um, I think that the statistics would show that there's nearly 8% of the population are still not going out at all. Um, And I think the the mask-wearing rule will certainly make the nervous ones out of the the other 92% think twice about it. Uh, However, hospitality was proven during uh, uh, previous lockdowns that it it is the safest place to go out and socialise. Hospitality venues which 
are regularly cleaned, which have hand sanitization. Uh, um, uh, uh, it's a very, very safe place to go out and socialise. And touch wood, we are going to be okay. If further restrictions are imposed, what impact would that have on the hospitality industry? I suppose that's a depends answer, really. I, I, I don't think that we, financially, we certainly can't ill afford a, a, another shutdown period at what is a good trading time of year. Um, I think that come 31st of March, we've got a whole tsunami of measures which fall into place. Um, we've got the VAT going up on food from 12.5% to 20. Uh, we've got national uh, minimum and living wages going up something like 50p, 10 bob an hour. Uh, and the um, business rates discount that we've been enjoying because of the pandemic uh, uh, starts to get eroded. So we've got three things which are coming along which are going to be financially very challenging for the whole industry. Uh, and if we were to lose a very valuable trading period, I, I, sadly, I think we're going to look at uh, a lot of pubs, hospitality businesses shutting down and consequently the loss of jobs that goes with them. This is also going to be the topic of discussion on the lowdown on our Facebook Live from 6 this evening. If you have a question for the industry, you can, of course, post it. You can tune in via our social media to do that, and you can also watch the programme on KMTV. Finally, on COVID in Kent today, latest figures show the county has the second highest number of cases among local authority regions across the country. About 8,200 people tested positive in the seven days to last Friday, with another 1,450 in Medway. But there has been a drop in weekly deaths from 27 to 22. 162 COVID patients are currently being treated in the county's hospitals. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a teenager has admitted trying to murder a girl in Sittingbourne. The victim was left fighting for her life after being stabbed around 50 to 60 times near the Eden Village estate in July. A 16-year-old boy will be sentenced next February following psychiatric reports. A German teenager who suffered catastrophic brain injuries after being attacked in Canterbury is learning to walk again. Daniel Ezzedine was initially given just a small chance of survival after it happened in the city centre in June 2019 when he was 17. Well, thanks to a fundraiser set up by our sister newspaper, he's able to use specialist gym equipment to help build up his strength and eventually be able to walk unaided. You can see a picture of Daniel standing up by heading to our story at Kent Online. Ten young people were convicted in relation to the assault over the summer, with two of them locked up. Police say they're concerned about a victim of an attack in Dartford and are urging him to contact them. Several witnesses have reported seeing a man being targeted by people who got out of a black Ford Focus in West Hill yesterday. Now, two men have since been arrested, but it's not known who the victim is. A week on from the deaths of 27 people in the Channel, a candlelit vigil has been held in Dover. The men, women and children drowned as they tried to travel from France to the UK in a small boat. All people gathered on the seafront in Dover last night. Kay Marsh is from the Samphire charity that organised it. When things like this happen, uh, it's felt as a community and we at Samphire believe it's important to create space for the local community to come together and mourn. OK, and so, um, I was speaking to Owen, um, sorry, Ed- Edward Biggs earlier and he was saying that the, the vigil is, is to 
call for safer routes. Can you tell me about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're here this evening, of course, to pay respects to the 27 people that sadly lost their life last week. But we're also here to call on our government to see this as a turning point and to, at last, implement safe legal routes to asylum so that we don't have any more of these needless deaths. What sort of uh, legal routes would you be thinking of? Well, as I've said so much over the last week, we need legal routes before people ever need to get into the water. So we need to be thinking about humanitarian visas so that people can apply in their country of origin and be brought here safely, or a processing centre in northern France so that people could make their claim for asylum before ever needing to get into a small boat. I mean, there's a lot of fear from people saying that if we were to provide this, then it would just cause everyone to sort of come running to France. Do you think that's justified? I don't believe that justified, no. I think people do flock to France already, and this is what we're seeing, and this is the issue that we are all attempting to, to solve. But if we gave people the option to claim asylum in northern France before needing to come to the UK, only people with a legitimate claim to asylum could then be brought here safely. And do you think that people who would be denied asylum would, would cross in small boats anyway? If they did attempt to make the crossing, the numbers would be so much smaller and manageable so and it would be a lot easier situation to deal with brilliant thank you and what sort of uh, my final question is kind of what sort of message are you hoping to send with this vigil this evening to the community to people who may be crossing crossing hoping to cross the the um the channel people who may have already done so to, to the wider people in kent we want to show that Kent is a welcoming place and a compassionate place. So we are coming together this evening and we will represent compassion and love towards our fellow human beings. And Jadzia from KMTV has also been chatting to Edward Biggs, who's a Labour councillor in Dover. An independent review has called the government's plan to turn back migrants a breach of human rights and there are MPs kind of calling for them to recall that that proposal. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. Totally support that. It's, it's an absolutely disgusting thing that they've even proposed. I mean, we're 20 miles from Dover to Calais. There's no international waters. It's simply a, the French and British waters and there's no justification for, for that kind of, kind of situation and I can't believe it will ever be implemented. What sort of solution would you would you propose? And we're calling for a safe channel for asylum seekers and the majority of asylum seekers actually are justified to become here for asylum and they're joining families that are already here. So that's the, that's the reality of it and we don't get told that. Do you fear that um, by providing a safe channel in France it will just cause more people to come flooding to France and not really solve the problem? Uh, no, I, I, I think it will solve the problem because actually a, a lot of people are, they say that people aren't, aren't, aren't taking asylum in the first country they come to, in an EU country, a lot of them are. And the biggest problem is that we've got no agreement now because the EU agreement provides that the Dublin 3 agreement al allows for that and we haven't got that anymore. So it, it, it's, it's a clear consequence of Brexit, which the government ha actually haven't agreed anything with the EU to, to, to satisfy this position. Meantime, the Home Secretary's been meeting with her Italian counterpart to discuss the refugee crisis. Priti Patel has held talks in Rome after being disinvited from a meeting of EU officials over the weekend. Rauer's Kedar managed to cross the channel the same day the tragedy happened last week and says it was terrifying. Especially for the kids and the ladies. They basically were frozen, not talking and just closing their eyes. They didn't want to see anything. And they can't move because when they move, the boat is going to be sinking. 
I thought that we're going to die, basically, but I didn't want to say it. And research out today suggests unaccompanied asylum-seeking children in England are around three years behind other youngsters by the time they take their GCSEs. The Education Policy Institute also found refugee pupils with family members experience a much smaller school attainment gap. The think tank says it's deeply concerning these children receive very little support from the government compared to other vulnerable groups. Natalie Pereira is the organisation's chief. Sometimes just accessing school can be really difficult for these children, particularly if they are unaccompanied and they don't have anyone to advocate for them in the same way that a parent would, for example. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. Voting is taking place in a by-election in Old Bexley and Sidcup today following the death of MP James Brokenshire. The former minister passed away at Darren Valley Hospital in Dartford in October, aged 53, following a battle with lung cancer. A woman whose husband died following a two-hour wait for an ambulance after suffering a heart attack believes he would still be alive if it had arrived sooner. Ian Day was taken ill at his home in Sturry and the 999 call was treated as Category 2, so she should have reached him within 18 minutes. He passed away in hospital shortly after arriving. The ambulance service has apologised for the delay. A man's been arrested after a driver indecently exposed himself to several people in Maidstone. The suspect is said to have carried out multiple offences from within a car around Bower Place, King Street and Ashford Road over the space of a week. A 22-year-old has been questioned and released while investigations continue. A goat has been killed and another has suffered serious burns after a firework was thrown into their stable causing a blaze in Maidstone. Twinkle and Bell were treated for injuries at Buttercup's Goat Sanctuary in Borton, Monchelsea following the blaze a week ago but Twinkle died two days later and police are investigating. Pound Stretcher has closed one of its stores in Canterbury. The budget retailer which opened in Windcheap back in 2017 has left the large unit next to Dunelm. It comes after the company was served with a notice by more than 60 landlords to vacate stores in September. Authorities in Kent have been given £2.5 million to help reduce homelessness. The government grant will go towards tackling rent arrears that have built up because of the Covid pandemic. Meantime, Kent sprinter Dina Asher-Smith has helped voice a new short film highlighting the impact of homelessness at Christmas. The minute-long video from Charity Crisis is based on the 12 days of Christmas. Chris Martin, Dame Emma Thompson and Ellie Golding are also among the narrators. And an abandoned pub in Ashford is going to be turned into an Afro-Caribbean restaurant. The old Prince of Wales in New Street has been boarded up since 2019, but the new owners hope to have it opened by February. It'll also employ around 20 people and the garden will be turned into a barbecue area. Kent Online Sport. Just one bit of sport and in cricket, England's second Ashes warm-up match has finally got underway in Australia. Kent Zach Crawley is in the squad, but rain has affected their preparation for the tournament so far. Ben Stokes picked up two wickets overnight with a second-string line team finishing on 226 for four well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram where we've got a bit of an advent calendar running throughout december plus you can also get access to the ad free kent online premium site you can do it by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.